Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. My name is Ryan Alexander, and I serve as the lead pastor here. This is my wife, Jen, and we are going to be bringing the message together as we do periodically. It gives us a chance to have a date time, which is great. That's right. Uh, This time in the service, I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward to uh, receive our offerings as we continue to worship. Giving is an act of worship. Uh, So thank you for your faithful, generous giving. I haven't had a chance to say Happy New Year to each and every one of you at both campuses and also online. And it is a new year. And I'm excited about this new year. I don't know about you. We all have different feelings, I'm sure, but I'm excited about what's ahead, particularly here at Hosanna. I believe that God has some exciting um, out of this world things in store for us in this in this coming year. But I don't want to be too quick to forget about 2017 because it was a it was a pivotal, momentous year. There was a ton of spiritual momentum that God gave us uh, last year. And I can't imagine ending the year uh, any stronger than we did. I loved worshiping with you all on Christmas Eve. And I'm humbled to share this, but uh, we, we had the, our biggest Christmas Eve ever. 20, over 25,000 people came through our doors over those three days of services. Now, why, why, do we, why do we celebrate that? Because we want to say how great we are? No, no. <laughs> we all give all the glory to God. And each one of those numbers that, that it's counted is a precious life, is a soul that, that is, is touched by God's grace over Christmas Eve, uh, is someone who had the opportunity to take a next step with Jesus. And over 25,000 people heard Emmanuel, God is with you. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you to God. Thank you to all of you for worshiping with us. So many of you, I heard lots of stories of you inviting your friends and neighbors. I can't tell you how much that warms my heart as a pastor. Uh, Let's keep doing that. I want to thank those of you who accepted the invitation to come back and and keep trying and to come and see. It's such an honor still to have you here again with us. And I want to say thank you to all the volunteers that it took to pull off hundreds of volunteers Mm -hmm. to pull off Christmas concerts, Christmas Eve services. God bless you. Thank you for all of you who volunteered and served over the Christmas season. So we have all this spiritual momentum uh, as we launch into this new year. And I think we should kick off the new year with a bang, don't you? At Hosanna. And speaking of kicking off, isn't there a little event coming to the Twin Cities uh, February 4th? You heard of this, the Super Bowl. Yeah, some of you are clapping, Vikings fans. All right. Could happen. Could happen. Uh, but the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl is going to pump a lot of energy and activity and people, over a million people, lots of money into the Twin Cities, a $400 million impact um, into the Twin Cities. And so it's going to be fun. But we want to, in line with the energy around the Super Bowl, we want to uh, pour some energy and some resources into part of our vision, empower the powerless. This is part of our vision, to empower the powerless. And we're calling it the big give before the big game. The big give before the big game. And I want to invite, we're going to invite each and every household to prayerfully consider uh, how God is calling you or leading you to give uh, toward this super offering. See it? Super offering in this, in this month of January. And, and I say super because I believe it's going to be big because this is a generous congregation and you know, you're blessed to be a blessing. You, you get that. But I'm also saying super because it is above and beyond your regular giving, our regular giving, right? And, and so those of you consider Hosanna, your church home, your regular giving, this is above and beyond that, this, this offering. So it's not the switcheroo, take the money you normally give and give it to the special offering, okay? We still need to keep the heat on and pay our staff and carry out the ministries and the initiatives that he's given us for this year. 
But what I'm excited to tell you is in this, this super offering, the big give before the big game, all, every single dollar is gonna go outside of these walls uh, to two organizations, Power the Powerless, remember. One is Feed My Starving Children. And we participated uh, in this Feed My Starving Children South Metro meal pack the last couple years. It's gonna be the week before the Super Bowl this year. And we're gonna give to that organization to help feed hungry kids. The other organization that is going to be a recipient of this super offering is Trafficking Justice. Trafficking Justice. It actually uh, is an organization that was born out of Hosanna, birthed out of Hosanna. Their mission is to stop human trafficking in Minnesota. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is a major, major issue in our world today and in Minnesota. And do you know that there's a lot of good that comes into town when the Super Bowl uh, happens here, but there's also some not so good stuff that happens, including the demand for what human trafficking produces goes up. The Super Bowl, all these people coming into town. So we want to do something about it. Amen? Amen. We're going to be a part of that. So there are a lot of different ways to, to give, and you can find that more information in your program. We'll be, we'll be given all month, and then we'll have a, a super offering, a special offering the last weekend in January. So let's kick this year off with a bang, empower the powerless, the big give before the big game. Amen? Amen. All right. That is so exciting. That is so exciting. I, I just love, I think it speaks to who we are as a church, that that's how we're going to start our year together, is giving to those organizations. I'm super excited about this new year too for us as a church, but I would, I would also say happy new year to each one of you individually. They're in Shakopee, anybody listening online and everybody in this room, happy new year. I would tell you that I love myself a new year. I just, I love myself a new year. I don't know if some of you are functioning this way too, but it just feels good to me to like tidy up the year behind. 2017 is over now. Whether it was a great year or a hard year, it's over. And there is a blank page now in front of us that God wants to write a whole new story on. And so um, I, I would bring to you just a word of an encouragement. It's been rattling around in my head, a scripture verse that has been giving me vision for it for this year ahead. I've been hearing the Lord say it to me. It's um, something that Jesus says in the book of Revelation. He's seated on the throne, looking out over the whole world, and he says, behold, I am making all things new. I'm making all things new. And I just hope that you, even now as we worship together, have a sense of how God is going to make some things new in your life in this coming year, in a new year, and it's going to be good. I pray that we would carry that spirit and that truth into this sermon series that we are kicking off this week called Homemade. Homemade. For the next three weeks together, we are going to be talking about the homes that made us and the homes that we are making. And you can imagine that as a preaching team, um, you know, we get to, we get to wrestle with these series and we get to name them along with our creative team, our communications department. We get to name these series and we just loved the title homemade and it's right for this series. But I will also tell you that a very close second is that we almost went with just the, the name of the television show fixer upper. Y'all, some of you know this show. A lot of you know this show. This show has taken the world by storm. Do you watch this show? Raise your hands. Shakopee 2, raise it. Okay, so a lot of us do. Um, this, this show is, is a family favorite for us. Uh, this is one of the few shows that our kids will even watch with us. And, um, you know, I just think it's, it's a riveting show. And, and some of you may not know about it, but we'll t I'll tell you about it in just a moment. But I would say that we just wanted to share with you a picture. Uh, this year, Ryan and I, for Halloween, had to dress up as a couple um, in a couple costume. And so we went ahead and went as Chip and Joanna Gaines. That's right. And so Ryan's got his hashtag demo day shirt on and I've got my hashtag shiplap shirt on. So those of you who don't know who these people are, let me just let you in into the premise of this show as it relates to this series that we are kicking off. This is a couple, Chip and Joanna, they live in Texas and uh, Waco, Texas, and they accompany people who are looking for a new home 
And they go into old houses. Sometimes they're 30 or 40 years old. Sometimes they're over 100 years old. Always, they are just neglected and dilapidated and dirty. I mean, sometimes there are rat's nests and like bees' nests and it's just gross stuff. But what is, what is so captivating, I think, about this show is that Chip and Joanna are able to go into places that everybody else would write off and they just, they look around and they see the beauty. They say, oh, this house has good bones, It's one of the things I like to say. This house has good bones. They can see the beauty and they work very hard to preserve the history that's inside the house. However, they are also just relentless about saying, but you know what? That beam's gotta come down. These floors need to be redone. This wall has got to come down to open up space inside of this house. And I wonder if you're tracking about where we're gonna be going in this series because, I mean, what a wonderful task, what an exciting task to work on the outside of a house, but what a more important, um, God-ordained, life-giving task to work together on the things that happen on the inside of that house, on the relationships that happen inside of that house. That is a beautiful task because you know, I mean, restoring a hardwood floor is a beautiful thing. Restoring a marriage, that's a really beautiful thing. Changing the, the, the color of, of the walls, you know, does make a house feel fresh, but changing the tone of what happens between the relationships inside of a house, that's what really makes the difference. And so for these next three weeks, we are going to be talking about our homes. And we have a theme verse for this series, just to anchor it. This is our theme verse. It comes out of the book of wisdom in the Bible, the book of Proverbs. This is Proverbs uh, 24, verse 3. And I wondered if we could just start getting it rolling around in our hearts by just saying it out loud together. Can we read this scripture passage out loud? By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Nice job. I, I love that verse, the theme verse for this series. In fact, so much that uh, I was out shopping at, at Hobby Lobby and I bought a print of it uh, and Can put I, it on our home office wall. I'm sorry to interrupt you. That was rude. Okay. But I do think people should hear a story about, behind this. Okay, because okay, you just said that you went shopping. Like Ryan is viscerally opposed to shopping, like allergic to shopping. And the actual story here is that he drew our sister-in-law's name for Christmas, so he had to go buy her a present. So he told me, I'm just gonna run up to Hobby Lobby and get her a gift card. I'm like, okay, bye, see you in a little bit. An hour and a half later, I texted him. I'm like, are you still at Hobby Lobby? He's like, yeah. You just, I mean, you just got sucked, sucked in to that place. I've never seen anything like it. I've never shopped so long. <clears throat> thanks, thanks for sharing that story. <laughs> There's inspiring stuff there. I, I did notice I was the only guy in the store, but um, anyway. So I found a print of this. We put it with a verse on our home, in our home office, and I just want to unpack this verse a little bit. Um, the, the word that is translated house there, you probably could figure this out. You don't have to be a, a biblical scholar, Hebrew scholar to figure this out, but it doesn't just mean a physical house, the structure, that house in Proverbs 24, it means a household or the people within a house the group of people who dwell within a house. But it doesn't specify what that group of people looks like. Isn't it true that that households, uh, family units, come in all shapes and sizes? Isn't it true? And as we we prepared this series, we have had all of those shapes and sizes in mind. Uh, From singles to married couples to older folks to younger folks, households with kids, households without kids, blended families, uh, empty nesters. What's that like, by the way? It's really quiet. Anyway, not jealous. How I hear about it. So we've had all those households, and God cares about each uh, type of household, each shape and size of household. 
And we want you to hear that in this series. Whatever your household looks like, God cares about it. And that's what this series is about, your household. The other words, wisdom and understanding in that verse, they, they, the Hebrew, it's not just an intellectual experience. There's an implied application for each of those words, an applied wisdom, an applied understanding. There's, it, maybe even think about it this way, a skill that God wants to give or tools that God wants to give. It was so ironic when Jen put that picture of us dressed up like Chip and Joanna because we are the least handy people in the world. Um, so here we are talking about tools, but not just <laughs> physical tools like hammers and, and saws, but, but tools to help establish and build a house, a household that is, that is healthy and grounded and life-giving. That's what this series is about, developing tools to do that. Yeah. God wants to give us. That's right. And we are going to uh, launch every week out of a particular passage of scripture. We want the wisdom that we are applying to our households to come from the word of God. I mean, that's why you're in church. You can read books about parenting. You can read books about marriage. You can attend classes. But when you come to worship, you want to hear from the word of God, right? Right. And so we are going to be in a passage um, out of Matthew. If you brought your Bibles with you today, you can get them out. We're going to be in Matthew chapter one. If you do not have a Bible with you, I would tell you every time you come into church here at Hosanna, there are carts at all of the doors where you can pick up a Bible on your way in. And we highly encourage you to do that. If you do not have a Bible with you, though, I will be sharing uh, kind of what, what I see, what's on the page in front of me, because it's, it's important. As I open my Bible to Matthew chapter one, uh, Matthew is one of the gospels, one of the accounts of the life of Jesus. And, and, and the first 17 verses look to me just like a boring list of names. Like, I don't know who any of these people are. This must not matter. Uh, but verse 18, things get exciting. That is titled in my Bible, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. So that's where the Christmas story starts. That story that, that we just celebrated a couple of weeks ago, um, and that the extraordinary moment in, in time and history when, when the God of the universe so loved the world, so loved the world that he wanted the people in it to understand who he is, to understand his character, and he knew the only way to do that would be to come and walk among them. And so he was born into a family, and I think that's worth noting. But usually we pick up the story there and we just skip past the first, the first 17 verses that Matthew would not want us to do that because those verses are important. And what those verses are is the genealogy of Jesus. In my Bible, it's titled The Ancestors of Jesus the Messiah. It's as if uh, Matthew is saying, you know, it didn't just start with Mary and Joseph. It started with the family that Jesus came from, his genealogy, he wants us to see it. I would just ask you if you have ever explored your own genealogy. Have you ever done that work? Um, I know many of you have. This, this past summer, uh, my, my family, my dad's side of the family, gathered for a family reunion. And specifically, it was his mom's side of the family. And that is the Hamilton family, last name Hamilton, okay? So we all gather for a weekend. And on Saturday night of the weekend, one of the women in the family had brought with her um, her research that she had done on Ancestry.com. Anybody can do this. She had put in all of our family and, and, and had traced our history back, just hundreds and hundreds of years. And so, of course, on that Saturday night, our whole family comes and we're like, what we really want to know is, are we related to the Alexander Hamilton? That's what we really want to know. And the answer is yes. So that musical that's like selling out all over the country, it's about my family. <laughs> about my family. Um, and, and then we also traced it back, all the way back. We, we come from a family of kings in Scotland. And so um, since then, I've been asking Ryan to call me your highness. 
clearly. And, uh, you know, but honestly, it was so fascinating. It is so interesting to look at where we come from. It's important to look where we come from. Uh, because in, in our society right now, you know, we used to live so communally. We used to, thousands of years ago, we would have lived communally. We would have always had a sense of the family that we came from. But now, you know, we disperse and we scatter and we live just such individual lives. And we just can get this sense of like, I'm so unique. I'm just so unique. And, and we are unique. But an enormous part of what makes us unique is the threads that come to us from different parts of our family. You know, why do I love what I love? Why do I love what I love? Why do I love nature? Why do I love to run? Why do I love spicy food? You know, it probably came from somewhere. Probably did. Um, why do I have this propensity toward anxiety or, or depression? You know, some of the things that we take from our family line are hard, but they help. It helps to explain who we are. It helps to put our story inside of a larger story to pay attention to the family that we came from. And that is exactly what Matthew is doing here with the life of Jesus. As he is sharing the life of Jesus with people, he's saying this man has a history. This man has a genealogy. This, this man and his family are part of a larger story. They are part of a larger family, the family of God. And so he begins his genealogy with the man that God used to establish the family of God. His name is Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Some of you know the song, many sons had father. Others of you are just looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, look at that silly song she's singing. Okay. Chapter one, verse one says, this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. So the story begins. Good stuff, your highness. <laughs> I had to say that. Uh, so and throughout the series, we're going to be looking at different members of Jesus' genealogy or his family or ancestors, starting with Abraham. We're going to look at a brief, just a brief part of Abraham's story uh, today, and it's found in Genesis chapter 12. So if your Bibles are open or you're on your phones, you can go to Genesis 12. In the Red Bible, it's page 9. Why, why would we start with Abraham. Well, for Matthew, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew that Jennifer just read from, it, it, he started there because with a Jewish audience who he was writing to, that's where their story begins, the story of Judaism, Father Abraham. And actually, uh, two other major world religions see Abraham as a father. Islam and Christianity, Christianity see, see Abraham as a founding father. In fact, you know, Christianity, which flows out of Judaism, uh, we really need to understand the story of Abraham if we're going to understand the bigger story of God, God's story that you're invited into. And actually, one of our core courses here at Hosanna is God's story, your story. And uh, that's starting up again in February. I really encourage you uh, to take that class uh, multiple times even if you've taken it already. But Abraham, why do, we, why do we start here? Why are we starting with Abraham in this series called Homemade? Here's why. Because Abraham's story marks a radical shift in how God views the family, in how God wants to use the family, the household, the family unit, whatever your household looks like. Uh, he, it marks a radical shift in God's purpose for families and households, God's plan for households. In fact, in, fact, in so many ways, God's plan for the world is the household. It is a household. And, and, and you're going to see this as, as things go on. So you might even say that God's plan for the world is homemade. It's homemade. Let's look at, at Abraham 12 here. And just a little background, 2,000 years before, 
Jesus is born. Abraham's family is called by God uh, to leave their old home and go to a new home. And Abraham's father, Terah, he, he does this, but he stops short. He settles um, in a place called Haran. And, and so maybe there's a two-word sermon for some of us here. Don't settle. <laughs> Don't settle. And Abraham, after Terah dies, has to pick up the, the unfinished business of the family. Don't families have unfinished business sometimes? Abraham's got to pick it up and continue this journey, and that's where we pick up the story. Verse 12, the Lord had said to Abram, and by the way, Abram is Abraham's name before God changes his name. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many. It says, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. This is really, this is really important. So in order for Abraham to leave his old home and go to a new home that God wants to establish for him, he has to leave some things behind. And, and for Abraham, it's, it's his native country, it's his relatives, it's his father's family. But there's so much more going on here than just uh, moving away from difficult relatives, right? There's this big theme of in order to go to this new home that God wants to establish for him, he has to leave some things behind, and, and, and that is also part of our journey to establish new things for our homes and new homes, to leave some things behind, or maybe in Chip's terms, to demo some things, <laughs> to, to go demo day on, on some things in our homes, figuratively speaking. Not everything. There's some good to be preserved and to be celebrated and to be developed and brought forward. Jen talked at the beginning about the good bones from our family history our family systems, our families of origins. But there are some things for all of us that have to be left behind if we're going to step into the new home that God wants to establish for us. And and, and some of those might be generational patterns that have been adopted generation after generation. Some of them are generational behaviors, generational scripts that you've been handed. Here's the script for how you're supposed to live, how you're supposed to view the world, how you're supposed to, we get handed those things. And some of them we need to leave behind or even demo them. And some are bigger than others. Some of those things are bigger than others for us. Some are like just removing some wallpaper, just little things, cosmetic upgrades. Some are are bigger like removing walls. One of my prayers for this series, our prayers for this series is that walls would come down in homes and households and relationships. Walls would come down. Some, Some are foundational even, that there are cracks in the foundation or we need to have a new foundation for our lives. And I'm here to tell you, God can give you a sure, unshakable foundation, <laughs> right? So we gotta leave some things behind. It's not easy, but, but that's part of establishing a new home, God establishing a new home. Verse two, Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. So he's gonna make a great nation out of Abraham's family. You can just see it. Make humanity great again, T-shirts, everything, okay. But why? To, to say, here's how great we are, no, and you will, this, for this reason, you will be a blessing to others. You're going to be made great to be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the, fam- catch this, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. All the households on earth will be blessed through your household, Abraham. We'll come back to this, or Abram. Verse four, so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran which means he was no spring chicken. (laughs) This was not in his early years. When God calls him to leave his old home and all that that represented behind and go to this new home. 
And this isn't the most important point of the message, but it, it, it is an important point. Or I would say this isn't the point of the message, but it's an important point. And that is, you are never too old. It is never too late. Right? It is never too anything. However you might fill in the blank for some of the ways that God wants to do a fixer-upper on your home, it is never too late. And it's certainly never too messy. It's never beyond repair or beyond being fixed up into this new home that God wants to establish for you. And that's the premise of this show. I love, this is what I love about the show, Fixer Upper, is they take the worst house in the best neighborhood and they fix it up. People, that's the gospel right there. He, he, in Jesus Christ, we give him our worst and he gives us his best. A life, a full life with God and forever with God. See it? It's never too late. Don't ever say it is too anything with God. Amen? Verse five. And he took his wife, Sarai, who was later renamed to Sarah, his nephew Lot and all his wealth, his livestock and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. All the people he had taken into his household. Who are those people? We know from the rest of the story that, that Abram and Sarai, they didn't even have children of their own yet. Right? They, they had... A, Adopted some people, apparently brought them into their household. Abraham essentially adopted Lot, his nephew, after his brother died. And Lot is a problem child later on. Let me tell you, he gets in some fixes that Abraham has to get him out of. But why am I, saying, why am I highlighting this? Because Abraham said the one that God is going to bless the world through all families through is not a typical family. It is a non-traditional family that God uses right from the start here. So whatever your household looks like, that's... Abraham's family was not your typical 2.5 children family. But, but back to those words, all families will be blessed. All households will be blessed. You see God's plan here? You see God's plan for the world? Starting with this one family, they would just trust him and step out in faith. They'll be blessed. Why? To bless others, to bless other households, to bless other people who will then trust God and be blessed. Why? to keep the blessing for themselves and say how great we are? No, to bless other people and so on and so on and so on. And 4,000 years later, we are, we are sitting here because of God's plan to bless the world through a household. You see it? We get to be a part of it. So a family, a household is so important and how God wants to establish our household and our homes. Yeah. Well, you know, at the, at the beginning when we brought out that Proverbs verse, we said, you know, we want to look at the skills, the skills, the wisdom. We want to develop wisdom and understanding about our homes. And so a couple of questions each week that we will, that we'll pull out of the story that we study together. First, uh, a question about the homes that made us and then the homes that we are making. And so to begin with the homes that made us. Um, you're, you're getting this theme, but it's going to be a theme of the whole series. And we'd love for you to just really press into it, uh, to, to consider how we need to, the skill that we need to develop is to be able to partner with the spirit of God and, and to ask him to reveal to us, what are the things that, that you want to make new in me? You know, I'm homemade. I came from my home, but the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ who dwells within us wants to take us new places. And the spirit of God has attributes. You know, um, the, the spirit, um, it says that the spirit causes us to be gentle. Did you come from a gentle household or did you come from a household where there was slamming doors and there was yelling and if the spirit of God is going to call you forward to gentleness, you might need to look at how that yelling and, and the, the slamming doors happen in your life. And you might need to say, spirit of God, do something new in me. Uh, the spirit of God is kind. We see that over and over again. Did you come from a household that was kind? 
Or did you come from a household um, either that was not kind to one another or that was not particularly kind to the people around them? Did you come from a judgmental family maybe or a family of, of gossipers? Um, that the, the theme is that very often the spirit of God is gonna be calling us to new places. And we may have to look back at our families of origin and say, you know what, I've gotta leave that behind. I've gotta leave it behind. Not dishonor it, not um, you know, resent it and put up a big stink. You know, sometimes we do that. That's not necessary. That's not necessary or loving. But we can take a new path. We can take a new path. I love just thinking about the moment of Abraham when God interrupted his life. You know, God will interrupt your life sometimes. He's interrupted mine over and over again. And he interrupts Abraham's life and he says, I wanna take you somewhere new. And in that moment, Abraham had a choice to make. And he could have decided, he could have said, you know what, I'm just not real interested in that. Moving sounds like a real hassle. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of work involved there. And, and just, a, I don't know that I'm up for it. I think I'm just gonna stick with what I know, just keep with the old and keep doing what my family's always been doing. But that's not the decision that he made. It's not the decision that he made. It says that he, he believed God, he trusted God, and he stepped out in faith. And I just wonder if there are people in this room who the Lord is just stirring in your heart right now, interrupting you right now, saying, it's time. It's time to step forward in faith. And it's gonna be hard work, but it's gonna be work that is worth it to be refined by my spirit. Would you follow me? And, and I would just bring to you, um, on behalf of Ryan and I, I, we are so committed. We are so committed. It's so easy for y'all to, to maybe to look at who we are sometimes. Anybody who's up on this stage and think, oh, they must have it all together. I'm here to tell you, we do not have it all together. Like, take a walk inside of our house sometimes. Last night, for instance, it gets messy in there. It gets messy in there. That's just real. That's just real. But I will bring to you an authentic authority of hope out of our story as it regards to doing this work. There were moments, Ryan and I were talking about this week, early on in our marriage, in the early season of our marriage, where I think both of us would have said we weren't sure if our marriage was gonna survive. And that might surprise you today. But I would tell you that honestly, because what happened is that Ryan and I were both homemade. And when we came together, uh, there were many things that, that we shared, but there were a lot of things that, that were in complete conflict with one another. Um, including how we worked through conflict, including uh, some of the things that we valued and how we worked through things. And, and those things would just clash. They would clash, they would clash. And we, we came quickly to realize that we had some hard work to do. And that may resonate with some of the families in this room. We had some hard work to do to break some of those patterns, to intentionally talk about those things and to create a new way forward for the home that we were making. And I would just tell you that as we have done that work, and it will never be done, it will never be done, um, but the more that we have done that work, the more space has opened up in our lives. Uh, it's, the wall, when the walls come down, there is just more space. There's more space to live. And there's more space to ask the next question that is so important to bring out of the story that we're studying. And, and Ryan touched on it, but I would love just to, for us to think about it this, this week and, and, and this month, this question of how is your household, how is your family, how is our family part of the larger story of God? Part of the larger story of God. Um, out of parenting books, you know, we are not parenting experts, but we have three kids, and, and so we have to read a lot of parenting books just to, just to stay ahead of it, you know, just to survive. And, and I would tell you, out of 90% of the parenting books that I read bring this advice. When you are raising children, make sure that you show them, that, that you tell them, that you model for them, that their lives are bigger than themselves that their lives are part of something larger. 
Because what happens is if a kid gets to, to follow what their natural propensity is to think that life is all about them, you know, that road leads to, to selfishness. That, that road ultimately leads to purposelessness. But we are not purposeless as the people of God. We have a family story. It started thousands of years ago. It traveled all the way through the genealogy. And and by the way, there's some real mess ups in this story. There's some real mistakes in this story. These aren't just all the good kids. Like we're gonna study some of those and and they're fascinating. But the the, the assignment continues all the way to Jesus. He takes it in a whole new way, shows us in a whole new way what it is to live your life, to give your life on behalf of others. That's the gospel. And then that story carries to our households today. And we get to ask the question, God, how do you wanna use my house? How do you wanna use our family? With the same assignment that you gave to Abraham thousands of years ago, you are blessed to be a blessing. May we teach our children, may we live, that the things that we have been given are to be given away. That the gifts that we have, the talents that we have, the resources that we have, they are intended to show the world how much God loves them. What if we stepped into that in 2018 in our houses? What if we talked about it? What if we did it? Whoa, whoa. It's gonna be a good year. And and, and I would just um, say over every soul in the room, you know, may there be no sense in the room of like, oh, we've dropped the uh, the ball as a family. We have not done this right. Do you remember the scripture verse that we started with this morning? Behold, I'm making all things new. Hmm. All things new. It is never too late It is never too late for your home to be made new by the spirit of Christ. Behold, he says. And our prayer uh, through this series is that, you know, that that word behold, it means look, look, look at the ways that I'm making you new. And I would tell you that, that Ryan and I were just seeing it all over the place in our marriage and in our household. And I pray that that would be true for you, that you would over and over again would just say, look, look, look at the ways that God is making us new. And I, and, I, and I love this song that we're gonna be singing together all the way through the series. Our band's introduced it in, in that worship set at the beginning. It says, I will build my life upon your love, God. Would we do that? Would we build our families and our households upon the love of God? And, and it prays, would you open my eyes? Would you open my eyes, God, to see who you, more of who you are and lead me to love others? Wouldn't that be a wonderful prayer for us just to to sing from our souls as we begin this new year? And so we're gonna sing that song um, to close our service today. But before we do that, uh, Ryan is just gonna pray. He's gonna pray for our households as we begin this new year. Let's pray. Lord, we hear that promise and we claim it. Lord, behold, I'm making all things new. And Lord, there are so many households represented, Lakeville, Shakopee, online, all who are listening to this message. You care about each and every one, whatever it looks like. Lord, whether there's one person or 50 people, you care about each and every one. And so Lord, we claim that promise. You are making all things new. It's never too late. It's never too hard for you, God. Nothing is impossible for you. Lord, there is no wall that can't come down. There is no crack in our foundation that can't be fixed. Lord, you wanna give us a new foundation, Jesus Christ. And on on Jesus, when we stand on Jesus, we're on on unshakable ground. 
a foundation that will hold and last now and forever. So Lord, would you give us wisdom and understanding, not just theoretically, but, but would you show us how to apply this, to take some of the tools that you're giving us even now to, to bring some remodeling, some fixing up, some making new of our homes this, this year in this series. And, and God, we, we do need your Holy Spirit to come and do what we cannot do on our own. And we say, we trust you. Lord, we don't wanna settle. We don't wanna stay where we are just because it's comfortable and it's what we know. We wanna go to the home that you were showing us where you can make all things new, that we might be blessed, not just for it to end there, but blessed to be a blessing. It is your plan for the world. It's your plan for people knowing who you are is that we would be blessed as a household and that we would bless people, Lord, with those blessings that you've given us. So we thank you, Jesus, for this new year. Go before us. We worship you. We follow you. And in your name we pray. Everyone said, amen.